All right, welcome, welcome into the 58th episode of the podcast today. We have all the guys back together, and I just came home from a trip to Cleveland where we saw the crazy, crazy Browns-Jets game. Uh, we got a big week to recap, so we have reports from around the realm coming back. We're going to recap our crystal ball, get into some breakouts from this past week, some busts, and then we'll do crystal ball, predict the future, who's going to turn on the Jets, who's going to maybe stink it up uh, this upcoming week into week three. The exclusive partner for this podcast is Underdog Fantasy. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a $100 deposit match in free bonus cash. Thank you again for listening. Let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 58 now, the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 21st. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Pod, Spotify, welcome, welcome in. I had an incredible weekend, and I'm not just saying that because my Jets were able to pull off an insane upset over the Brownies. I'm saying that because I got to meet some great new people up in Cleveland while being able to experience that. I got to meet super producer Nixie in person for the first time, as well as a lot of other members of our dynasty uh, fantasy football community. Beyond that, just wanted to welcome the guys in the show. Super producer and Max are up in Cleveland. Jace out in the desert. What's going on, man? You know, Pete, I wish it was still the weekend. The weekend always goes by way too fast. And it was a pleasure having you here, you know, going to a guards game, going out to the casino, losing some money together. There's nothing like oh. it. So I'm, uh, I'm happy. loves company. Yes. I, uh, I'm doing well myself. I wish I could have been there in Cleveland. I was watching uh, the Brownies Jets games very intently. Just fun game to watch. Crazy comeback. Good weekend of games. And uh, but while I'm sad that I missed out, I'm so, so very happy that you got to try the Swenson's Galley Boy. Oh, that, my God. I mean, it was Swenson's, so good. If you're listening right now, we do. We could use another sponsor. We're going to talk about one later. But food sponsor wise, Swenson's, if you're out there, let us know. Could I can do with attest. a lifetime supply. I said best fast food burger I've ever had. And I've had just about all of them. It was it was right up there with the best. Yeah, baby. Yeah, no, baby. Uh, the best part about that Jets game, though, is uh, we got back from the bar, you know, you know, about, you know, maybe 10 minutes left on the clock, five minutes when the Browns pulled up, the Ravens were killing the Dolphins. And I said to myself, OK, I'm going to have to drive all the way back to Philly. It's going to be a long drive. Let me get like a 10 minute power nap in. So I fell asleep and I woke up and there was absolute madness going on. And I said, how long was I asleep? <laughs> the witching hour. The witching, the witching hour. hour Absolutely. Well, look, we digressed enough. Uh, before you get in the episode, a little bit of pop culture with Pete. We like to do this every week. Aaron Judge sitting at 59 home runs on the precipice of all-time Yankee greatness, and some would say all-time greatness, breaking uh, Roger Maris's home run record at 61 in a season. What do you think 
is a record, like looking at Jerry Rice's uh, like all-time yardage record, things like that, that you don't think can ever be broken. I got mine. And this is a guy, there's actually a documentary out on him that I was trying to watch the other night, but uh, did not, could not find it available anywhere except for uh, Apple TV where I had to rent it. And I, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I don't rent movies anymore, but I decided not to rent that one. But it's Nolan Ryan who threw seven no hitters, which leads Major League Baseball. And the most insane thing about it is, I mean, his career and the body of work that he put up is ridiculous. And I would even say he's the best pitcher of all time when you consider career wise and um, longevity and just how good he was until the very end. He never won a Cy Young award and leads the major. I mean, come on. That that just feels like such a sham, but seven, no hitters. I don't think anyone is breaking that one. Yeah. um, I did have to do some research here on mine, but I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing 26 games in a row. Never knew this actually happened before. Um, But I mean, 26 games is, what year to what year? It was 76 to 77. Um, it was 26 games a lot, man. The Detroit Lions, they made a run at the record. They came up short, losing 19 in a row. Like, Detroit was during our time, but, I mean, obviously we weren't alive in the 70s. But 26 games in a row, and now they have Tom Brady. So maybe it's all good luck. It was all worth it. Maybe it was. Yeah, mine's pretty easy. Um, I would say that the record is not complete right now, but give it maybe December, January of next year when LeBron James passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most NBA points scored in a career. I don't, don't see anybody it'll ever be touched again. I, I don't. I really don't see anybody beating it just because LeBron came in uh, out right out of high school. And yeah. they haven't reverted that back. So they're still, he's still going to have at least like a one year gap difference on, on any of these players coming in. So. Yeah. Mine. I love that one, Nick C. I think that I think somebody said, if you sat in a basketball court and shot free throws at a hundred percent clip, it would take you like four days and every free throw counted for two points. Like if you did it, it would take 48 hours to make all the points up to pass Kareem, which is just absurd. Holy. So, I've never thought of it like that. Good God. Yeah. Um, mine is Jerry Rice, uh, not his yardage record, which is going to stand alone. And I look at it 274 consecutive games with a catch. Uh, so if you break that up over the traditional 16 game season, that was 17 and a eighth years. So he went for 17 in the eighth, one eighth years of going every single game and at least recording one catch. That is wild. I that don't think wild. that will ever be broken ever, especially in today's league with, you know, the guys that take rest days or stuff like that never was hurt. Just consecutive games of the catch. Insane. Good Lord. That is. All right. Enough being said on the pop culture section. Let's move into the show. But first, we do have our sponsor returning for another week. Underdog Fantasy is back. Oh, boy. It's starting to get a little spicy in uh, the puppy competition that I'm in. 
Underdog Fantasy is a season-long best ball platform with over-unders mixed in, depending on your state, daily fantasy as well. The best part about best ball to me is that it is stress-free. I set my draft two months ago, maybe even three months ago at this point, and I've just waited it all out. Every Sunday comes, there's no lineups, there's no waivers, there's no trades. Your best lineup is automatically put in, uh, and the most points projected is the most points that you're going to get. So the best team will win. Underdog Fantasy, use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, to get $100 in bonus cash. Nick C, give me your favorite underdog play from this past week. Guy that slipped a little bit later in some drafts and underdog, but absolutely boomed this week. Yeah, th- uh, this is one guy who obviously now I wish I drafted more of, but supreme value. Peter loves the supreme value, and he loves this player on the New York football Jets, Garrett Wilson. I think he ended up having 30-plus points. And he's a guy that, I mean, you could get in. Uh, I don't even know where he was going in these he's drafts. Probably, probably. Like 10th or 11th, maybe yeah. even yeah. 12th round. I mean, 10th, 11th round. And who knows? I mean, we'll see long season, only two games. But he's looking like a stud so far. Big boom week. But I had him on one team, and I was looking at that roster. I'm like, dang, that, that kind of feels good. All right. Again, use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and you'll get a free deposit match up to $100 in bonus cash. Let's get into reports. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. All right. What what a <laughs> I mean. What you say me, about my mom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just happens so quick. I mean, such a strange chain of events tom came down chirping and then all of a sudden mike evans just comes flying over and destroys uh marshawn Lattimore. so anyways the news item is mike evans is suspended for one game for his fight with marshawn Lattimore. i know today um they met it in the appeals process and i believe it's the nflpa is going to make their decision on uh if they are going to uphold uh the the appeal or not so we will see officially on that tomorrow but yeah, he was my crystal ball bust of the week. He was all right, having a pretty decent game, actually, for um, as it pertains to his matchups with Marshawn Lattimore. And, uh, yeah, then the fight broke out. He decided to cheap shot Marshawn, and now he's got a game. So uh, it's looking like a two-week bust of the week uh, JB, at this point. JB, you want to talk about a bust. Getting thrown out of a game, I think, yes. is <laughs> as spot on as you can possibly be. So, congrats. Uh, thank you, were you, seeing, thank you. You were seeing through the ball pretty well. I, I, those two absolutely hate each other. Um, and Marshawn Lattimore ends up on top more often than not. I mean, he took the hit in the moment, but uh, I don't think Marshawn's gotten a suspension or anything like that. So, he has come out on top laughing once again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – I just if Mike Evans's suspension goes through, Godwin can't play. I know the Bucks play the Packers, which I mean, I want a full matchup. I want everyone healthy. I want a great Rodgers Brady game. This could be the last one we get. You never know. So I'm a little disappointed in that, but I think I also I was looking at this and Bruce Arians was on the sideline. And I don't know why he was. I saw um, that. It was so but, weird. But like it looked like he mouthed something to like Mike Evans, like go protect Brady or something, or like basically go told him to hit him. No, and really, I did not see that. Yeah, I can, he was oh. later right there. 
So I don't know if Bruce Arians has to be <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore, if this guy just – I don't know, but – not good. I don't know why he was on the sidelines either. Mike so, was three for 61 up until that point, playing 61% of the snaps. You know, Bruce Arians listens to this podcast and he benched Mike Evans and saw him having a pretty decent game. He's like, yo, go. You got to go back up Tom right there. He's got him on his fantasy squad. He's like, I got to We got to get this guy out of here. Um, so really quick, as fun and entertaining as, as the fight was and the oncoming suspensions, a little bit more fantasy centric here. Let's let's take a look at the options in this game this upcoming week. Because there's Julio Jones, right? There's maybe Russell Gage, Scotty Miller, the uh, the NFC Championship King uh, from a couple of years ago. But outside of that, are you confident playing any wide receiver on either side of the ball? I'm sure as heck not confident playing any Green Bay receivers. They looked. I mean, Lazard would be the only one. I think he's worth a play in a deeper league. Um, but if Godwin's out, if Mike Evans is out, I would definitely feel comfortable playing Julio. Um, but uh, other than Lazard and Julio, I wouldn't play a single wide receiver. I think Julio or Russell Gage in a deeper league would be some would be two guys I'd be willing to start. But uh, like you said, Max, both sides of the ball in this Packers uh, Buccaneers game that we're going to have the very similar wide receiver rooms in that we just don't have anything there for fantasy um, or at least no one's proven anything up to this point but Russell Gage last week six targets five catches only 28 yards but they gave him a bag of money they wanted him Tom requested him so let's see if he can step up to the plate and have a decent game and he could be a nice PPR flex this week I could see it all right moving on to that Another piece of news that we have for later, but the Buccaneers have signed Cole Beasley. Some like to call him COVID Cole. So what is our expectation this upcoming season for Cole Beasley? He's now been signed to the practice squad of the Buccaneers. Uh, they're expected to elevate him to the active roster, most likely for this game. Do you think that he's worth a flex play in like a 14-man league? No, I mean, I think you got to be really desperate to be starting Cole Beasley. I really think like just given the information we have now, I think Leonard Fournette absolutely pops this week. A lot of checkdowns. I feel like he's going to score multiple touchdowns. So I think Cole Beasley, he could be good for about a couple first downs, kind of two catches, 30 yards, if that, um, but wouldn't feel comfortable playing him unless I am literally picking people off the waivers and he's like the best option. I, even that, I don't think I'd play him. I'd rather start like another tight end. Yeah, I think that he's going to need some time to get adjusted to that playbook. Even if the matchup was like Detroit or something, I still wouldn't start him. Um, the Bucks have been running the hell out of the football these first two weeks. Leonard Fournette, 21 attempts week one, 24 here in week two. They've kind of re-identified, and rightfully so, because they don't have any wide receiver weapons right now or any proven ones uh, for 2022. So, yeah, you can run on the Packers. I think we saw that. Uh, a little bit with David Montgomery last week in the Chicago Bears by no means having a lead offensive line and David Montgomery was looking like Barry Sanders out there for a little bit so uh, I think they're going to lean on Lenny pretty heavily maybe they get Rashad White a little more involved but I think this game's going to be won and lost in the trenches uh, this upcoming week all right let's take a look at the next piece of news thoughts and prayers out to Trey Lance uh, the darling of the fantasy uh, dynasty community trey lance 
Uh, it looked like he fractured his right ankle. I think it uh, did not look good. So if you're a little squeamish, don't look up the video. But he did undergo a successful surgery. Jimmy Garoppolo is in. On that scale between Jordan Love being the backup that Green Bay just doesn't want to play and Aaron Rodgers back when he was the backup and Green Bay wanted to play him, where are we finding Trey Lance on the scale with that injury? Do, do you think he gets a second chance? And if so, if Jimmy G leads into a chip, is it going to be in San Francisco? Great question. I mean, they invested so many picks, so much draft capital on Trey Lance between trading up to that third spot to get him. I think they have to give him another chance. The first game, it was in a torrential downpour and then obviously gets hurt in the second game. So just with those two factors, like I don't think we've seen a big enough sample size. I think we know what Jimmy G can do. He is actually a very good quarterback and I'm, they look like geniuses for keeping him and paying him what they did and stuff like that. Um, I think he could definitely lead them farther than Trey Lance can. And I just don't know if that Shanahan system fits Trey Lance. So I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he can come back and make a nice return. I know a lot of Superflex dynasty owners are also hoping for that because he was a hot commodity coming into this offseason, given his rushing upside and the draft capital and everything like that. So I wish for the best for Trey Lance, but it's going to be a roller coaster of a ride. Yeah, I think, you know, Jimmy G only got a one-year contract, so I think no matter what happens this season, I think he's gone. I think the Niners already showed us, like, they know what they can do with Jimmy G, and even if they get a shift, they've been to, you know, tippy-top of the playoffs um, the past couple seasons with him, and they still handed the keys over to Trey Lance. So because of the the investment they made on him, I think it'll be his um, car to drive um, next season. But I think this is great news for all the Debo holders, all the Kittle holders, all the IU holders. Jimmy G can sustain pass catching uh, weapons. And he's done it for quite some time. So I trust him so much more than Trey Lance as it pertains to sustaining my wide receiver options out of San Francisco. And I think that's really the biggest takeaway for me because you're not going to be starting Jimmy G in any one quarterback leagues in Superflex. He's a mid-tier QB2 or just a fine, solid QB2 at his best. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of the Wentz scenario and Foles in Philadelphia. Um, at the end of the day, the GM and the front office want to be right more than they want to win, in my own opinion. Uh, it's a little bit more of a cynical opinion, but – I think Trey Lance will find a way to be the week one starter next year, even if Jimmy G leads him to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. I, I think Trey Lance's outlook in Dynasty is very safe for me, at least safe, meaning he's going to be the starter next year. He will get a chance to play whether or not he's going to be good. I don't know, but I would be buying the dip right now. What would you guys feel comfortable paying for him in a super flex league? A 23 first. Yeah, I think a middle to back end first round yep. pick is what I'm feeling. And people probably won't sell him for that. So that's where the the disconnect is, sadly. I wouldn't pay that to be honest. Like I have nine 23 first in a Superflex league. I just I can't take that risk on a guy that's having ankle surgery that we don't even know. He doesn't look that great. Like I can't take that risk yet. I'd rather if I if he if I know he comes back strong or whatever, 
sure I'd rather pay two first for that, but it's kind of like Cam Akers. Everyone was not buying him, and then they like bought him a lot, and now he's like maybe worth a second. I don't know. I think there's probably going to be some bigger buy low windows in the future after he's been sitting on IR for quite some time or once we get into the the doldrums of the offseason and people are just kind of looking for excuses to either buy into people or fade people and I think there will be a giant camp on uh, fantasy football Twitter that's just completely out on Trey Lance and will help tank his stock and maybe you can get him for two early seconds or something like that or three early seconds and that's something I'd, I'd much rather do than a first obviously all right Let's move on to our crystal ball section. All right, right before we get into crystal ball, I did want to mention, looking at the live stream of the Yankees game, Judge has hit 60. He's tied Babe Ruth. He's one away from tying the Yankee and the AL home run record. So just a little bit of crazy history uh, right before our eyes tonight. If there's any conspiracy theorists out there, we currently here, here's just something for you. I don't believe this. Um, people have been saying since there's Aaron judge and Albert pool holes, uh, you know, Albert chasing 700 home runs and then Aaron judge uh, chasing 61 or 62. If he can beat the record, right. Is 61 to tie. You say and 61 to tie 62 to, okay. to break. So they're right there. We're closing here on the end of the season, maybe two and a half weeks left, I believe. People have been theorizing that they're bringing the old juice baseballs back in those Yankee Ooh. and Cardinals games. Um, there's, I know there's some people doing some research on it right now. I mean, I don't personally care. Like you still got to put the bat on the ball. And if it travels a little farther, like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Like, the, the shortest home run judges hit is 355 feet. I don't think a juice ball is going to do anything. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, most of them, he hits two or 400 plus feet to center field too. And it's like, Okay, he'll hit any ball out, so it uh, doesn't bother me. But there's been some some conspiracy going on on uh, different podcasts I listen to and fantasy baseball Twitter. So anyone out there, any seam heads out there, maybe maybe go search it up on the Twitter sphere and see what's going on. All right, let's get into crystal ball now. Let's recap last week. Max, we'll save my poo poo picks for the end. Uh, let's hear yours. Yeah, uh, last week. I think mine were pretty average. My boom was Cortland Sutton, um, 11 targets, which is absolutely great. Seven catches, 122 yards, which is 16.2 fantasy points there in half point PPR. I mean, when you really look at it, if he had a touchdown, this would have been an insane game. I think people really would have been buying him hard. 100%. Um, but I mean, no touchdown doesn't help his cause there. And then my bust of the week was Leonard Fournette, 24 carries, 65 yards, two catches, nine yards, 8.4 fancy points. Same thing with Lenny. Didn't find the end zone. I didn't think he would. Um, but I think brighter days are ahead for Lenny. And I think Cortland Sutton, once he gets those touchdowns going, price is going to keep going up. So, Yeah. I uh, Cortland Sutton filled in for Jerry Judy. Um Nicely as the alpha, what did he finish up? Did you read his uh, stat line for the week? Uh, seven catches for 122 yards. Yep, on 11 targets. So he filled in nicely. We saw it in a stretch last season without Jerry Judy. We know he can be an alpha when he's the true number one option out there. Russ looked terrible against the Houston defense, which is, I mean, I think we were all thinking he was going to blow up this week um, and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to go right along with him. 
things didn't happen. I think things are going to get figured out in Denver. Um, and this is Cortland Sutton putting up a nice, you know, low end wide receiver one, mid tier wide receiver one week, uh, depending on your format at Russ's worst. So imagine when Russ gets going, uh, Cortland's still the only guy out on the field. He's just going to be a rock star every time that he's out there. And then Leonard Fournette, we talked about him. Bucks are running the snot out of the football right now. Also got his four targets, which he's always getting four or five, six targets a game. And I think that might even go up this week. So, um, but I, I, I like the process behind Fournette there. Thought it was a good matchup to fade him, but nonetheless, they decided to run the ball a lot. And he had a, he had a, eh, not that great of a game, 8.4 points. All right, Jace, let's move into your uh, boom bust from last week. Let's recap them. Yeah, so my first one pretty quick is Trey Lance. He left the game after uh, throwing the ball twice for 30 yards, had three carries for 13 yards. That's 2.5 fantasy points. No bueno. Unfortunate. Injury-based. Unfortunate. Injury-based. I mean, the Niners went out there and put up a boatload of points. I Like I thought they were going to. Trey Lance is at quarterback. I think maybe he runs one or two in and uh, he really puts up a nice fantasy day there. So that hurts that he went down, but my bust was Mike Evans. And we also talked about that one, just kind of a 7.6 points. He put up three catches on four targets, 61 yards. was on his way to a decent game. Might've gotten you, you know, maybe he scored a touchdown there and gets you just over double digit points. But um, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore shutting him down again. Not what you want for a second or third round option at wide receiver. Totally. The Monarchs went six for six last week on, on our predictions. And this week I went zero for two, I stunk it up. So I want to apologize to the people out there. I said, David and Joku was going to, going to boom. I think I may maybe quoted like a 10 point game, 10, 11 or 12 point game for Njoku. It was right there. It was right in his grasp. I think it was probably about six inches away from his grasp uh, on that touchdown throw, but he wasn't able to come down with it. He had five targets, three receptions for 32 yards, 4.7 points. Again, we always say that those tight ends are their touchdown or bust uh, the non elite guys. David was right there. Uh, my logic was there, but at the end of the day, it don't matter as a, as some people would say it doesn't matter. Uh, didn't come out right. And you know what? Maybe Jalen Ramsey's washed because Drake London went off. Drake London, maybe it's his breakout game. 12 targets, eight receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown to boost. 20.6 points. I have no idea what to think about this because I see this, and we're going to talk about another notable Falcon later who looked like absolute poo caca. So, I'm going to pass it off to the guys here about Drake London and his usage rate this uh, this past game. I mean, you really can't argue with his usage rate. I mean, that was an insane game when they were down by – it was like 25 points, wasn't it? And then they come back and they lose by like three or four points. I mean, Atlanta both games has shown that they can compete with the Saints, with the Rams. We're going to talk about it in a little bit here, like literally two minutes, but Kyle Pitts is who I'm most worried about. Drake London, I think it's going to be a hard buy, um, just given his age, his draft capital, where people took him in rookie drafts. Um, but if you can go out and buy him and people are worried about Mariota and just being able to sustain two weapons there and they think Kyle Pitts is the next, like, big thing, which everyone does. And I am just – I'm kind of confused by it, honestly, now. Uh, just after seeing it week in and week out, it's like, oh, Kyle Pitts is going to do this. And I get it takes time and I can save my rant, but – Drake London, awesome game. 
Love the touchdown. Keep starting him and flex and even wide receiver too for me. Yeah, I uh, Max, I wanted to go back to your Cortland Sutton call. I don't know if you mentioned it, but I was scrolling through the play-by-play, and he had a touchdown reversed at one point in the game. He had a touchdown call reversed. So he was almost had another six points right there, actually seven if you play in full-point PPR. And plus I don't know how many yards. yards were behind it. Yeah, plus yeah. the yard, two yards, two yards, so oh. point two. But <laughs> nonetheless, could have had a bigger week. But, yeah, the whole Atlanta situation is fascinating. Uh, going into the offseason – I mean, looking back on the offseason, Traylon Burks was my number one wide receiver out of this class. I still want to give it to him because I love him so much, and I think there's more to come with him. But Drake London was my first love in the offseason. I saw his film at USC, and I was like, golly, this dude just bodies everyone. He's quicker than you think for a big guy. And, my God, I think – Hopefully we got another like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase in our hands where they just step into the league and they're just ready to rock and roll, which is very, very nice to see out of Drake London because he had a pretty significant injury in college, um, which held him off the field for quite some time towards the end of his college career. Kyle Pitts, another two catches for 19 yards, the exact same stat line as last week, except for the fact that he had four less targets, I believe. I believe he only had three targets in the game, playing 93% of the snaps. Long-term, I'm not worried about Kyle Pitts. If there's a dip and people are freaking out, I'm buying it all the way. I think he's eventually going to return whatever ludicrous price you paid to go get him in Dynasty. It just – I I just don't think it's going to be this year. I haven't – you know, I didn't think it was going to be uh, his year this year well into this offseason. I talked about it on this podcast. Uh, he was my bust of the week in Crystal Ball Week 1, so I'm super worried about him this year. Drake London looks like he's here to stay. It's only two weeks, so maybe things change. Maybe they get him more involved, but I'm worried that Mariota can't sustain two guys, and right now Drake London looks like a top dog. Just thinking about it, for the listeners out there, I did trade Kyle Pitts this weekend, trade him to a good friend in Mort Sauce. Um, I ended up trading Kyle Pitts in the 24 first for Michael Pittman and TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, I had uh, one too many drinks, and, you know, I wanted to make a trade and wanted to make a splash. But really looking back on it and thinking about it, it's like right now you could go out and if you have pitch, you can trade him for an arm and a leg. And he still hasn't proven anything. And I get it could backfire. But these tight ends, they take a while to progress to get into their own element. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was a top eight pick in the draft. And honestly, he's in a pretty similar situation with Detroit, Atlanta, no quarterback. Um, he's going into his fourth year. He's only he finished his top six once and then got hurt another year and doesn't really done anything else since then. But I mean, Mark Andrews is an outlier. Travis Kelsey's an outlier. Kittle gets hurt literally every season. Darren Waller had one and a half good seasons. I mean, tight ends are really, really hard to come by. And I think that's what makes Pitt so valuable. I know that's what makes Pitt so valuable, but I just personally cannot see myself paying a price right now of, I mean, even Pittman and Hawkinson for Kyle Pitts, just given given what he's done and the age of so many other guys, like you could go out and get two other young studs and they could hit and you could flip just one of them for Kyle Pitts in a year's time. So honestly, I think the most that I'd feel comfortable paying for Kyle Pitts is two and a half first in Peter's world of half first. Let's take a look at our notable busts from this week. 
Uh, and then we'll do the notable breakouts and I'll probably have to eat my words about Mike Williams, but let's look at the bus first. Devante, I think he had 8.2 points, only caught the ball twice or three times. If I'm, if I am correct. Um, what do you guys think happened with Devante this past week? Uh, I think his grandparents scared him a little bit. He caught the touchdown for him. And it's like, Hey, did enough for grandma and grandpa over there. I'm going to just go and uh, sit with them and watch the game. No, I, honestly, I don't really know. The Raiders need to figure it out, though. Josh Jacobs, Devontae, Waller, Carr. I mean, they're 0-2. Just a tremendous downpour and downfall, I should say, losing to the Cardinals and blowing that lead. So not looking good over there in uh, Vegas. I think this is the Arizona Cardinals defense. Last season, they were extremely, extremely, extremely tough against opposing number one wide receivers all year and a great example of that is cooper cup went over 92 yards had at least 92 yards in every game last season but one and he put up 64 yards against arizona i don't know what it is about their scheme they don't have any super top tier cornerbacks or anything like that but for whatever reason their scheme shuts down opposing number ones and i think that's just the product that we got with Devonte adams and i'm not worried long term He's going to have plenty of big boom bust games. We, I mean, we saw week one, he's going to be consistently giving you boom games, but every once in a while there's other weapons on the team, Waller and Renfro, they're going to get theirs and maybe the run game goes crazy. All wide receivers are inconsistent. I'm not freaking out. All wide receivers are wildly inconsistent. That's why the Mr. Consistency award is very important. Very, very. Speaking about Mr. Consistency, I bet we will talk about him later. The original first Mr. Consistency. Uh, from the 2021 season. No, 2020 season, my bad. All right, let's take a look. Derrick Henry, 8.5 points, 25 yards rushing. Uh, on a scale of everything's fine, delusion, to I'm screaming my head off, the building's burning down. Where are we at with Derrick Henry? I mean, I'd honestly give it an eight. I mean, this guy scored a touchdown and only had 8.5 points. I mean, six points were from a touchdown. So he had 2.5 points in a game. Yes, they got blown out, but I mean, that's just not good given his age, the circumstance, the Titans look terrible. Um, I am genuinely worried for Derrick Henry. I, I'm not so worried. I think this is probably, I mean, the most concerning thing to me is he's played 68% of the snaps and then 46% of the snaps. So like, you know, it's time to air the ball out. He is coming right off the field, especially if they're chasing points. But I trust Mike Vrabel. I trust the team. I trust Traylon Burks getting better week after week. And I think they could really, really use an alpha wide receiver, someone other than Robert Woods um, out there catching passes. So Traylon, I think he's going to ascend and help this team out. But there's still plenty of great matchups for Derrick Henry to feast on. Uh, Washington in week five, Houston week eight, Kansas City, you can probably run against them pretty well. Cincinnati, uh, Jacksonville, Houston again, Jacksonville again, da Dallas. I mean, there's plenty of teams on this schedule, even Indi uh, Indianapolis. I'm not that scared about them. I feel like, sure, everyone can focus on Derrick Henry because they don't have a true alpha, but they've been focusing on Derrick Henry every game, all game for however long now. Um, the Taylor Lewan injury, that one hurts for sure, but he's going to get the rock. And if they're not trailing, you know, 14 plus points or 21 plus points, he's going to be on the field. He is how that team goes. So I'm not freaking out. I'd have to put it at like a, a four and a half. 
Yeah, I'm sitting around a five. As a dynasty owner of him who's competing actively, I won't lie. I have been looking at other options, you know, entertaining, looking at the market, seeing where some backs are currently sitting, but I'm not panicking. This is something that I think is extremely important. When you think about this, I was talking to Max earlier. One time something happens and it's an event. You know, Cooper Cup catches three touchdowns in a game. It's an event. It happens. If it happens twice in a row, it's not an event. It's a coincidence. It's, oh, you know, you know, uh, XYZ, Cooper Cup caught a touchdown three week, uh, two weeks in a row. Oh, you know what? Sometimes that happens. Maybe he's just a little hot. But when it happens three times, that's the start of a trend. So we saw a pooper game from Derrick Henry week one, a pooper game week two. Next week is going to be the absolute turning point for him on the season for me. I think if he puts up three straight dud games, I will be ready to pull the, uh, the fire alarm on him. But it's like, how can you even risk that when he's put up two bad games, his age, if he does another one, people aren't blind. They're going to see it as well. Yes. You could be buying a name, but I just feel like his value, like, goes really really low if he does that whether it's in redraft or dynasty and people start to get really concerned so like you're willing to take that risk and bet on henry for this one game to him him to pop and then sell him so in my opinion i got henry at a really good deal and i have confidence in who he is as a player i do i think that he is going to pop next week mike rabel is going to realize that they're underusing him uh, and they're going to figure out a way to scheme him to have at least a fantasy relevant week as a running back one. So like at least 15 points. I think too, one thing that's important, I don't know what point I was saving it for in the show, but I guess I'll bring it up now. Here are your half PPR 2021 week two points, uh, first two weeks of the season points per game leaders. Derek Henry was the number one. There's Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, your usual mess of guys, but at RB6, Daryl Henderson Jr. Number 10, Cordero Patterson. RB11, Tony Pollard. RB14, Tyson Williams. RB15, Chris Carson. Now, here's a fun one. RB24, Alvin Kamara, or Alvin Kamara, however you uh, say it. I've never actually ironed that out. But Jonathan Taylor, RB27, like – do not freak out. The first two weeks, the first five weeks are honestly just a mess and players are just trying to even out. I think you can't sell Derrick Henry where he's at right now because all you're going to get is a bag full of seconds and people complaining about how much they're worried. Give him some time. Give Mike Rabel, give Mike Rabel some time. Give Traylon Burke some time. He'll have his games. He'll, he'll be able to fetch a first to a competitor if he pops off for a couple of games. And that's something I'm willing to wait on. There's plenty of season left. And he's currently healthy. I think he'll be fine. All right, let's move on. Jamar Chase, 8.3 points. I think, again, it's just the inconsistent receiver. He was very inconsistent last year. He was a very big boom-bust play. He's never really been a consistent force in his receiving days. T. Higgins, 20 points, though. Looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, on this list, we also have Jefferson. I think I can speak for both of these, and I think we can kind of fly through these ones here where – I don't, you guys aren't worried about either of these guys. You know, they're going to have some, some bad weeks. Everyone will, no one can put it up every single week. Uh, I mean, these two are the best to do it. So. Or Cousins really Monday worried. night. I don't blame Jeff. 
yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't blame Jeff at all. But the one guy on this list, I mean, just kind of speeding us up here that I am hesitant on and a little bit worried on is ETN. What are your guys' thoughts there? For me, I'm kind of treating him like a like a rookie running back. I was never in on the ETN hype. I was for a little bit because I was like, yeah, I can, you know, Trevor Lawrence has the highest check down rate in the league and Travis ETN was his college teammate and he catches passes and he's explosive and I bought into it for a little bit and then he just started going at too high of a price. So I was out, but if this is dragging his price through the mud, which I think it is, especially in redraft, I'm grabbing it. I think, I think he just needs time. I think I'm looking at him like a rookie running back. This is actually basically, this is his rookie season. He hasn't played a snap of NFL football. Um, I think he's going to come along down the stretch. I look at him very similarly to Brees Hall. I like Brees Hall more, but I do think down the stretch, these rookies, wide receivers, running backs, they're going to start seeing more snaps. They're going to understand the offense. They're going to understand the ebbs and flows in NFL of NFL football. Um, and Trevor Lawrence is looking pretty solid as a pass for these first two weeks, and it just takes ETN getting more snaps and being on the field to start catching some passes. So I think the upside's still there, and I'm really starting to buy into the price. ETN scares me a little bit uh, just because it's the reek of Jacksonville. I, I think that's the only thing that's really scaring me about him. Jay says everything really perfectly, but I just, I need to see him do good in one game before I buy in. Like I need a, like a 16 point week. I don't need like a 25 point week. I need a 16 point week where he shows that he can be a competent back and get a, not a line share, but more than 50% of the work in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Oh. Sorry to cut you off, but James Robinson did have 23 carries this past week, which is definitely concerning, but he averaged 2.78 on the ground. He did score a touchdown. They use him in the red zone, but man, I know the new ownership didn't draft. I mean, the new coaching staff and the new front office guys in Jacksonville weren't the people that drafted Travis Etienne in the first round, but they still had to pay that cost. When you look at the way things work out, I think they're going to find ways to get him the ball. Um, they need weapons on that field. They're going to be chasing a lot of points. I think, I think ETN's going to end up being fine, but Robinson does concern me because they are just giving him the rock like he never tore his Achilles. Real All quick right. before we move on to our um, to the guys that just really popped off this week here, breakouts. Um, what would you guys pay for ETN right now? I'm not uh, investing a first round pick, but that's just kind of my style. If I have first round picks, maybe. I don't know. He's more of a rebuilding piece to me, honestly, than a competitor. So at that point, I got a first round pick. I'm probably just going to draft a running back. 24 first of somebody who's not me. Not my own 24 first, but somebody's 24 first. Nick? Yeah, I would, I would probably, I'm probably with Peter on the 24 first. I was going to just chime in real quick because I know I was with uh, Peter and Max and I kind of, uh, texted in the group chat once I made this trade, made a dynasty trade uh, this past weekend with one uh, Alex Whiteman, and it was Saquon Barkley for Austin Eckler and Travis Etienne, and I got the Eckler and Etienne side. So kind of wanted to hear your, your guys' thoughts about that. We put that poll up on Twitter, I think through 49 votes. It was leaning uh, Eckler and Etienne 61 to 39. Yeah, I mean, I think Eckler's worst days are behind him. I really do. I think he finds the end zone. I think he gets going. 
it gives you that depth piece, which I think is really important and really big. I mean, obviously, whoever got Saquon got a stud. Um, he had a great week one, looked okay week two, so we'll see there. Um, I think Saquon's obviously the better athlete. But if ETN hits or if James Robinson goes down and, like, ETN can become this workhorse, I mean, you are going to just smash win that trade. Um, but right now, just to give up Saquon for Eckler and, like, a depth piece, I think it's a pretty fair trade. Um, I, th- I could see it going either way, though. Yeah, I mean, I think about it as I'm bought in on Saquon. I've been bought in on Saquon, but a lot of that was price-driven because you could get him towards the back end of the second or middle of the second and redraft. Um, and Austin Eckler, he was a no-doubt first-round pick. I mean, after Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, if they went one and two, plenty of leagues saw Austin Eckler go number three overall. Um, so you basically just – you jumped up. I mean, you're going for it. That's kind of the perspective I'm looking at things to uh, or through, if you will. And um, you grabbed a first-round guy. You upgraded to a first-round guy, and you added a young stud um, with a lot of upside. I think you won that trade – Big time Saquon, Austin Eckler in a dynasty format. I look at them relatively similarly. I mean, I give Saquon maybe a couple pegs just because I believe he's a couple years younger, but you just grabbed a what, however old ETN is 23 years old. You added that on top of Austin Eckler. I think you made out uh, pretty well on that deal. I love I your think, side. I think it was a terrible trade. Should have never done it. Uh, and you should go back on it. <laughs> For those that don't know, I'm competing against next city this year. So that was definitely fun to witness firsthand as we're at the bar having a couple beers and I just hear screaming come from one side of the table. And I, I just, I was livid. I was very livid in the moment seeing that trade go down. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some breakouts from this past week. Again, half point PPR scoring. We're going to keep it pretty light on the guys that we talk about a lot here. Lamar at 42 points. Diggs at 40, he looks incredible. I, I don't think much needs to be said there in Dynasty. But these are some guys I really did want to dig into just for a second. Mike Will, Christian Kirk, and then Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think Waddle kind of speaks for himself. I think just given the upside and stuff like that, I get with Tua. Um, I mean, it's tough. There's a lot of guys that we could talk about on here. The one guy that I personally want to talk about, I mean, Peter, I'll let you dig on, dig in on Mike Will and stuff like that. He had a great first half, yada, yada, yada. Didn't do much in the second half. But Amon Ross St. Brown, are we convinced on this guy yet? No. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that while he is, like while the team currently sits the way it is without Jameson Williams on the field, He's going to dominate. He's I, I'm bought into the fact that he's just going to keep doing that. But once Jameson gets back, maybe it bleeds into the second half while Jameson's there and trying to get acclimated and recovering. He's fresh off the injury. Maybe Juicy has a just a mammoth season. But I do think dynasty-wise, you invest that much capital in a wide receiver, you're going to go try to get him the ball. I do worry about more – I mean, the main arguments against Juicy was – Hawkinson and Swift were off the field. That's where all those targets came through. I bought in on that narrative too. Um, but obviously that doesn't affect him, but I do think Jameson Williams and the capital they put behind him in the draft will step in and kind of screw things up at some point um, down the line. But right now, while he's the only guy out there, he's top dog and he's a locked and loaded top 10 guy, if not top five right now with the targets that he's seeing. 
Yeah, he just scares me a little bit too much. Um, like the draft capital, et cetera. I, I don't mean to sound like a pessimist. I know there's a lot of people out there, especially Mr. Kevin Kukla, who, who we know, says he's in, an immovable asset. So, you know, I won't rag on Kev. Everybody's got their guy. That's Elijah Moore to me. And it looks like Amon Raz put up more points than my boy. So, but I, I don't know. He, he just definitely scares me knowing that Jamison Williams is creeping. One week, every single week, he grows a little weaker and Jamison grows a little stronger. I, I will say, too, the one thing that doesn't scare me away is Jared Goff. Like that, the fact that he's his quarterback doesn't scare me. It actually helps me believe in Amon Ra because, I mean, for Goff's whole career, he's all he's done is support top 24 guys, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in the same season. Robert Woods was a perennial top 12 asset, kind of like Brandon Cooks is right now. And then he did support a top five finish for Cooper Cup. I believe in 2017, but I don't have that right in front of me, but a top five season nonetheless. And uh, I mean, Juicy's on pace to do that right now. And he has been ever since the back end of last season. So I'm bought in from that standpoint. I just worry about the little wrinkle that JMO could throw into things. And maybe instead of a top 12 guy, uh, top 10 guy in PPR, he's more of a top 17, 16 kind of guy where it's a little more boom bust, but I think he's always going to be there to give you a nice floor. Uh, with as much targets he receives from Jared Goff. Goff right. looked good. Goff, I, I started Goff. That's how confident I was in those Lions. So. I mean, those Lions. They're not these Lions. They're those Lions. I love those Lions, man. They were my lock <laughs> of the week. They did not fail again. No. No doubt. All right. Let's take a look at Mike Will, 21 point, 21.3 points. I think he had 20 of them in the first half. That's my only argument. I'm going to basically keep my mouth shut here because uh, he kind of shoved his foot in my behind this past week, but it's okay. He'll have his games where he goes off for 23, and then over the next month he'll score a combined 20 points. I don't know if I go that far on it, Peter. I don't think he's going to score 20 points in four games, and that's five a week. That's about what Elijah Moore puts up. Ooh. I, think I think he's in a different category than Elijah Moore. <laughs> you need these guys. I mean, Mike Will, it's just we like it. Jason and I, I think we like his value whether it's in dynasty or even redraft. Um, this is a guy you could have gotten the fourth, fifth round there who will have these weeks. I mean, we only saw one touchdown from him. He easily could have had two touchdowns. He kind of got shut out there in the second half. The only thing that scares me with Mike will right now is Herbert's rib injury. Um, and just moving forward on that, seeing like him getting to full strength. Keenan Allen doesn't scare me at all. Mike will looked amazing. I really think that he could put up this kind of game more times than not, and I think finish as a top 12 wide receiver. I agree. I think, you know, the whole – he got he did get shut out in the second half, but, like, I wasn't expecting him to do too much in the second half because when a guy is shredding you like that, I mean, as a defense, you got to make an adjustment. And the Chiefs, Andy Reid, I mean, those are smart guys over there, and they said, okay, this guy is tearing us to shreds right now. Let's put two, three guys on him the moment the ball is snapped and see what else Justin Herbert can do ended up working out just fine because the chiefs walked away with the dub. Um, I think we know who Mike will is. I mean, he week to week, he could be a top five guy, especially against the right matchup. And especially if Keenan Allen's missing time in other weeks, just like other wide receivers, he's going to disappear. He does have a fellow target hog in the offense with Keenan Allen. Uh, Josh Palmer looked all right, saw a decent amount of targets. Austin Eckler catches the ball out of the backfield. There's 
there's a lot of weapons in this offense. So when he disappears, I'm not holding it against him. He's going to have alpha games like this. I'm with you, Max. I think, um, you know, two out of every three games, he's, he's going to ball out and help win you a week. So that's why I love him. And he's a top five wide receiver week to week that costs you top 24 uh, price wise instead of top five. So I love me some Mike Willie. It was, it was good to see him step up. All right. Interesting one. Uh, and then we're going to move on to our calls this week, our crystal ball picks. Uh, we can talk about Garrett Wilson a little bit later with my boom pick. Uh, hint, hint, it's not Garrett Wilson, but let's talk about Christian Kirk. 23 points for Kirk. I think he might have slipped under our radar this past season and under everybody in fantasy's radar. I think he's going to be in line and be in the running for the Mr. Consistency Award at the end of the year. I don't know. I think he's had some good weeks. Yes. Um, we also have to look at the opponents that he's played. I get Indianapolis is usually a perennial defense. And I mean, he played the commanders in week one. Um, Trevor Lawrence looks better. Doug Peterson. Yes. Um, I just don't, I don't trust this offense. I don't trust Christian Kirk. Um, I guess the Jaguars right now they're smiling. Oh, we got this guy. We paid him a, a good deal, a good value. We reset the market. Um, I don't know. I'm happy to see him doing well. I don't think he'll continue this to be quite honest, especially the 20 points every week. I think that is a lot to do with touchdowns and deep balls, um, which I don't think will continue. I'm still very much in the camp. Let's take a cautious approach. Let's remember what we were thinking three, four weeks ago before the season started. Um, think about the way every analyst had guys projected and kind of the thoughts you had because the first two weeks of last season, half PPR, your wide receiver 11 was Sterling Shepard. Um, right mm. now, your wide receiver seven is Christian Kirk. So just be careful. He only saw six targets this past week. He happened to catch all six of those targets for 78 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, the week before he had 12 targets and only caught six balls. So imagine he carries a, you know, 50% clip into this game. He only catches three balls for 40 something yards and maybe one touchdown. Like that's, that's not elite. And I think there's going to be plenty of those weeks where it's three, four catches, a handful of yards and probably no touchdowns. So I'm taking a cautious approach. And if you can get a 23 first out of them right now, and someone's just buying in, please. Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. I don't care if it's early, middle, late. I don't care if Christian Kirk goes to be a hall of famer. Yeah, no, I mean, the price you probably acquired him or where you drafted him in your dynasty startup. That's just, you gotta, you gotta take that. I actually, I had him last year and I got a 23 first form last year before the news. And it's uh it's probably one of the best trades I've made. I got a 23 first and a 23 third for uh, Christian Kirk. So that is nice. I think uh, maybe one straight up you could make is go check on the Hollywood Brown owner and see if maybe they're uh, fading on Hollywood and buying into Christian Kirk and see if you can do a relatively even swap. I'm doing that all day. All right. Now let's move in our crystal balls for the week. This is a little bit more important. I got to step it up this week. So I, I put it some decent thought into these guys. We're going to start with myself. I'm, I'm declaring, I'm setting the snake draft. I'm going to start with myself, then to Jace Max, and then we'll snake around on the busts. So I'm going to start with Elijah Moore. On my boom, Elijah has had a very quiet first two weeks, but a very efficient first two weeks. 
I watch the all 22 of the Jets because I have nothing else better to do with my life. And I see that on just about every single route he runs, he's creating very good separation. So this is a good sign. He's not getting completely blanketed on all of his routes. He's been open, but he's been running a little bit more down the field and on the outside, as opposed to over the middle, Joe Flacco, a little bit of a weaker arm has been over the middle more, but this upcoming week, I think the Jets are going to start getting him going a little bit more. They're going to notice that Garrett Wilson, while it was a very great week, is not going to be able to keep up this pace as a rookie uh, playing his third NFL game against the Bengals. Their secondary, while being the fifth best in the league at this current time, uh, fantasy points to the wide receiver, I still don't see them having elite level talent on that defense, being able to guard both Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I think Elijah pops. I think he gets his first touchdown of the year. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see him catching a deep ball. Joe Flacco's uh, leading the league in yards or top three, I believe it is, um, which is pretty great for Joe Flacco. Uh, but when you really look at it and stuff like that, like Peter, I, I understand. I think Elijah Moore, he could be great. He really could. Um, I'm just, I don't know. Like I offered you today, Peter, Cortland Sutton and Tony Pollard for Elijah Moore. And you're going for it. And I think that's a slam dunk move personally. But I can also see why you'd maybe want to hold Elijah Moore. Just if in case he pops, you could never forgive yourself. But with Garrett Wilson in town, Zach Wilson, we haven't seen Elijah Moore produce this game in and game out. Yes, he had a stretch last year of three games where he caught an absurd amount of touchdowns and some deep balls and stuff like that. Is that realistic to do every game? No. Is he a good route runner? Yes. But I just don't trust the offense with Brees Hall there, Michael Carter. You got Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson coming back from injury, Joe Flacco. I think that if you can sell Elijah Moore based on the name, the breakout that could be coming, I would 100% be doing that. I'm all in on this pick. I'm still all in on Elijah Moore. I don't think you got to pay a 23 first, but if push came to shove, I think I would still buy in at that price. Ooh. I I I love Elijah Moore. He's still plenty young, and I'm still very much in the it's only a week two camp. Through the first two weeks, Garrett Wilson has 22 targets, which leads the team. Tyler Conklin is second on the team in targets with 16. Michael Carter and Corey Davis come to third on the team in targets with 14 apiece. And then there's Elijah Moore. Um, at fourth with uh, with Michael Carter and Corey Davis tying for third. And he has only 12 targets for the through the first two weeks. He's out there, though. He's running a ton of routes. Uh, he played 89% of the snaps in week one and 87% of the snaps in week two. The Bengals are a relatively solid defense against the wide receiver, like you mentioned. But I think the game plan's out there. It's, Gar it's Garrett Wilson and it's Corey Davis as the main two wide receivers. I think the Bengals are going to slip up and go try to cover those guys because that's who Flacco's shown uh, to target over the first two weeks. And I think that's going to offer a really, really, really solid opportunity for Elijah Moore to step in against a linebacker or someone, um, crisscross them and get open and make some big plays in this, in this matchup. And I also think Tyler Conklin, 16 targets. He has 10 catches for only 56 yards, averaging 5.6 yards per catch. That is god awful. Why, God, Joe Flacco, throw that pass you threw that through to Tyler Conklin. Throw it to Elijah Moore and then see what happens. 
And I think uh, Flacco is going to figure that out. I think Sal is going to figure that out. I think the Jets are going to figure that out. So after throwing the ball to Tyler Conklin, let's get our slot wide receiver involved. Someone who's explosive and can make a lot of big plays. I think, I think this is the coming home party a little bit for Elijah Moore uh, for fantasy managers. I agree. So just real quick, Jason, what would you buy Elijah Moore for? 23 first straight, that's it? Yeah, I'm not anything on top, and I don't, I'm not going to approach the Elijah Moore owner with a 23 first. And if I do it, it's got to be a projected back end one right now. Um, but a 24 first, uh, don't particularly, it's hard to project where that will be. I'd still hand that over, still not going to approach. I think, you know, someone like Christian Kirk or, um, trying to think of another guy you could potentially sell high on and buy low at the same amount of time. Uh, if I had Travis ETN, if I get Elijah Moore plus, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I don't, Darren Waller's been popping off. If you're a bit of a, a rebuilder um, and you got Darren Waller on your team and you can throw Darren Waller over for Elijah Moore plus, that's something I would do. Um, Curtis Samuel, people are buying in. I'll make that swap too. So there, those are some things I would be throwing out. I'm disgusted. Yeah. Let's Peter, move on. What, no, Peter, I want to know what you would sell for. Four firsts. <laughs> no, a, a realistic asking price in my mind is two after this past week, a 23 and then a future first. But I, I still can't. I, I can't I can't do it. Jace, I know my whether Sutton and Pollard or Elijah Moore. Um, am I competing? Yeah. So, uh, give me Sutton and Pollard for sure. All right, let's move on. Let's talk Jace's boom here. Yeah, my boom of the week. I uh, I can't tell which one I want to go with here, so you guys help me out. But I think both of these guys are due for a really, really solid bounce back, um, and that's either Kirk Cousins or Adam Kirk. Thielen. Um, Kirk Cousins just looked awful <laughs> yesterday for us, two days ago for you guys listening. Looked terrible. His primetime self showed up again. But Kirk Cousins owns the 1 o'clock Eastern time slate. He oh owns boy. it. And that's what he's got. He's got the Detroit Lions who give up a ton of passing yards. They give up a ton of receiving yards to all the wide receivers on every team. Um, so I think Kirk Cousins is going to be thrown all over the place. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. Um, I think that Minnesota Vikings team is solid. I think they're going to make a great run into the playoffs. I think they're going to be a serious contender. I think it starts up again um, with Detroit, who's probably coming in pretty hot after uh, their past week. I think they're going to give up some big plays. So I like Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. I know he's been struggling. I know he's old. Uh, he saw seven targets uh, against Philly, only caught four balls for 52 yards. But I think Detroit's going to be trying to do everything they can to stop Justin Jefferson, and I think Adam Phelan, a supreme route runner, even at age 32, I think he's going to be open, and I think Kirk's going to be on his game, and they're both going to skip off to their merry way, and if you have them both on a team, it's going to be a lovely stack for your week three opponent to go up against. So a uh, little two for one there. If you guys feel compelled one over the other, you guys can officially decide who the boom of the week is. Yeah, I, I love those picks, Chase. I mean, I have Kirk Cousins in a couple leagues, and just after – last night or two nights ago his performance i was like i'm dropping this guy like right when waivers open tomorrow and i was like oh he plays detroit at home 
And yes, Detroit, they've had some good games. I mean, they, they beat um, the commies there. And I don't know if I can call them that, but then they played a close game with the Eagles, but they allowed so many passing yards and just points in general. I think Dalvin Cook bounces back. I think Jefferson goes off for 120 yards. I can see Thielen going off for multiple touchdowns. So love the pick, JB. Yeah, I think Kirk is due for a reset game. He's going to have a very good season this year, but he will have his stinkers because at the end of the day, he's Kirk Cousins. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Max, your boom. Yeah, my boom, like Peter's, kind of a homer pick. I'm not going to lie. I, I really do think this player will boom. Um, it's DK Metcalf. He plays the Atlanta Falcons, okay? And I don't know about you guys, but Atlanta's not that good. They don't have that good of a secondary. They're 30th right now against the pass. Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson destroyed them last week. I get that Stafford throwing the ball and not Geno Smith, but at home versus Atlanta, DK, uh, he's had seven targets, six targets. He plays basically every person. He played 82% of the snaps and then 92% of the snaps. He started off really with some hard matchups with Denver and San Francisco. Um, he gets Atlanta and then Detroit in these back-to-back weeks. I think one of the weeks he pops off, I don't know which. I can see both. He's just a physical athlete. Geno Smith was looking his way early and often. Um, I think it's a big breakout game for TK, and he gets back on track. I'm all in on this pick. I, uh, I'm very much into DK Metcalf. I don't, this Atlanta secondary is supposed to be all right. It's supposed to be pretty good. Probably one of the best aspects of their defense, but they have proven otherwise up to this point, DK Metcalf, he's been running a lot of routes shorter, closer to the line of scrimmage, easier completions for Geno Smith. They're just trying to get it, get the ball in his hands and see what can happen afterwards. All he's got to do is catch a seam. We say it all the time on this podcast. It just takes one. Just takes Um, one. I, I believe the over-under on this game set pretty high with both defenses being as um, Swiss cheesy as they are. So points are going right. to be scored. Elite athletes are going to score. DK is one of them. Uh, I'm all in on this pick. And, I got uh, the lines here. For daily fantasy players, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Go get you some DK Metcalf this week. Over-under set at 41.5 per fan. Oh, wow. Smash that's, the over. That's low. <laughs> so – preview uh to the sports betting special that might be an overplay because that feels really low for these two lackluster lackluster defenses and all right just a real quick thing before i snake it around i know we're we're running short on time here um just go buy dk especially this week i mean he had two stinkers week one and two i'm not selling dk i wouldn't sell him for elijah moore and a first even um i really do think dk is just a phenomenal athlete we've talked about his deal on the contract his contract three years, it would put him at 27, which is like the prime of wide receivers, really. So he's still so young and he'll still put up the targets. He demands the ball. So just go buy him if you can. I think his value is the lowest it will be in a while. We're going to snake it back around um, real quick here. I'm kind of like Jason, this camp where I can't decide which might just make them both my bust of the week. Um, but it's Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I think this Bills defense shuts down to us so hard. I think one of them could catch a deep ball. Um, but I just – what they did last week, I get they're not going to replicate that. I mean, that was absolutely crazy with 40 points for one, 38 points for the other. Two will look great, you know, as the Ravens. But when you really think about it, Marlon Humphrey got hurt. Peters got hurt that game. 
a lot of their corners in secondary. I think three out of the four of their corners slash safeties were out that game. Um, the Bills are a real test. I mean, we saw, we've seen what the Bills have done to the Rams and to the Titans. Um, I think the Bills differential right now is plus 55 between the two games, which is just absolutely crazy. They can score at will, and it's their defense that also really helps them. Um, so I don't see Waddle and Tyree Kill doing well, just given that their quarterback's Tua, still not 100% sold on Tua. Um, and I think that they're due for a lot of regression this game, this week. But Bills go marching into Miami, minus five and a half. So five and a half point favorites this week. I feel like I got to hit, I got to hit the Bills. 100%. I, I think that they are going to absolutely demolish the Dolphins. Yep. What the Bills have showed us the first two weeks, it's going to be hard for you to bet anyone to bet against them really any week. I mean, I'd feel comfortable taking Bills minus nine and a half, honestly. All right. So I was trying to look at the A dots between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and maybe see if there's something there with how they're being targeted. But Tyreek Hill's got a 9.9. Jalen Waddles is sitting at 8.3. It's just a, about a yard and some change difference. That doesn't make a difference at all to me, really. Um, I think I would go with Tyreek Hill, though, as my bust of the week if I were you and had to decide between the two. Um, Jalen Waddle just came out with 18 targets. We saw it last year when that offense needs to go. They get it to him however the hell they can. Tyreek is definitely more reserved for the deep ball, run past your cornerback and safety. I would fade him more than I would fade Jalen Waddle just because I think they're going to need them or need him more than they're going to need Tyreek to start moving up the field while they're chasing some points. I could see him PPR in his way to a nice finish. And on top of that, the bills are banged up right now. I mean, the defense we in our, uh, we're in a creator league and the Buffalo defense was sitting out on the waiver wire universally, the first defense off the board. And we spent, we spent $27 to go pick them up and not a single other person bid on them. So I don't know if people weren't looking at the defensive category, but we basically just lit 27 fab dollars on fire, but they went crazy. We didn't win this past week, but they still put up 19 points. I think it's, you know, nice little return on, but they're banged up. So that was a long roundabout way of getting into that. They're missing uh, Dane Jackson, questionable. Tim Settle, defensive tackle, questionable. Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, questionable. Uh, Gabe Davis, he's not a defensive player. Jordan Phillips, questionable. D-tackle. Matt Milano, star linebacker, questionable. Micah Hyde, safety, questionable. I mean, this team, and not to mention they're missing Tredavious White, I think this defense is good. I think the system is good. Um, it helps elevate the players, but when you're missing that many stars, I think things might get tough and open up a few things, but I think it'll open things up more for Waddle than Tyreek. So I'm with you on this pick. I don't Are you benching Tyreek or either of these guys, or are you just kind of playing them and then just managing your expectations? Yeah, probably the latter. I mean, if you have Tyreek, whether it's redraft or dynasty, you're not going to bench him unless you just have – stud wide receivers i mean peter would probably bench him because he has Diggs, Devonte, and um aj brown aj brown and elijah um, moore yeah but he's not that good um i'd probably start tyree kill over elijah moore but other than that for peter i wouldn't start him. but yeah i you're not benching either of these guys that is good to know all right jv let's talk aj dylan yeah aj dylan's gonna be my bust of the week and this is coming after 
a week when he got plenty of work, his rushing prop was at 10 and a half attempts and he smashed that. Um, and man, I wish I bet it. Cause I could, I saw it coming, you know, the rookies let Rogers down in week one, the vets look slow. This is a divisional game. Um, they had to jump out there and grab a win after losing week one. So they weren't messing around. They're like, we're just going to run it up the gut. We're going to run AJ Dillon. We're going to run Aaron Jones. And we're going to go to Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins and all these vets that Rodgers can trust. This week could be much of the same, but A.J. Dillon is coming off a, like I said, a week where he got the work, but um, wasn't very good with the touches. And I believe he even threw in a fumble. He did. He threw in a fumble, 18 rushes for 61 yards this past week, three targets in the passing game, only one catch. I think this is going to be one. He's going up against the Buccaneers defense, which is over the past Yuck. two seasons, two and a half, three seasons. This it's an elite um, defensive unit. I know Akeem Hicks is banged up right now. He's going to miss some time, but it doesn't matter. This the scheme, the defense is legit. Vita Vea is still there to run stuff. AJ Dillon, I think he's going to be between the tackles. That's what they're going to try to do. Maybe three targets again, but where you drafted him. Um, with a, with a pretty good pick, fourth, fifth round pick. You'd like to be able to start that guy each week, but uh, I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to get anything done. And if I have a guy like Naheem Hines, I'm starting him over A.J. Dillon in a full PPR. If I got Tony Pollard sitting on my bench, I'll start him over A.J. Dillon. I just I think he's going to see maybe in the neighborhood of 10 carries up against this Bucks defense, and I don't think he's going to get much going. And I think Aaron Jones is going to catch a ton of passes and kind of keep him off the field. So I'm just uh, I'm out on AJ Dillon and I'm I'm looking to bench him if I can. Yeah, a hundred percent. Just given the draft capital that you had to spend on him, um, I think the only way that AJ Dillon really has a good week, I guess you could say, is if he finds the end zone on like a one yard like running back dive or whatever it yep. is. Um, so I, I'm I'm definitely out on him as well. Yeah, AJ Dillon. I just am in favor of fading anytime a running back plays the Ram, uh, not the Rams, the Bucks. I'm 100% in favor any time that a running back plays the Bucks. If you have a better option on the bench, just play that. Like it's, it's just even if AJ Dillon does pop, it's always the right decision to make that call and bench him. So it's in Tampa as well. It's Oof. not in Green Bay, so you're going into Tampa against that run defense. I just think they're going to try to run the ball because Rogers still doesn't have weapons he trusts out there. But I just don't think he's going to find any running room. And I think he's going to come up with a pretty empty stat line of like 40, 50 yards at the max. And no, maybe he gets a touchdown, get you 11 points. But I, I just really don't see the upside. All right. Let's take a look now to my bust and then we'll wrap up the show. Terry McLaurin is going to be my bust. I remember last week I said we have one emotional pick and then one like kind of data driven pick. Here's my data driven pick Darius Slay is a freak. Darius Slay is an absolute unit. He locked down Justin Jefferson. A lot of it was Kirk Cousins' fault, but he looked great week one as well. And then Terry McLaurin playing at home against Darius Slay. This might be the Wentz revenge game, which might bite me in the butt, but I just saw a cornerback who played probably at a top five cornerback level. Uh, he He's just absolutely insane. This defense is so, so good at rushing the passer and stuffing runs. So I think Wentz is going to – rush himself maybe terry gets like three or four catches this game for like 30 yards i really don't see him eclipsing 60 yards this game so he's definitely a sit for me darius slay should have had like 
eight interceptions. I mean, it was crazy. He really did lock up uh, Jefferson. That was, I mean, Kirk Cousins was throwing faders off his back foot and thought it was fun just to keep doing that. Um, but I, I think the narrative between Wentz and the Eagles and a divisional game, it's going to be a fun game. I, I honestly will probably tune into that one for sure. I think Terry has gotten very lucky this season um, with that deep ball. I think Terry is a very talented receiver. He did just turn 27, but I think that is a smart bench this week for sure, Peter. Um, I think Terry's best weeks are definitely ahead of him and not this week. I would agree, especially if you go on playerprofiler.com, great website. You can look up wide receivers and see which cornerback they're matched up against. If he's going to get the slay treatment, yeah, he belongs on the bench. Go get yourself someone with just – in inkling more upside just i mean you can go pretty deep at wide receiver and find you some guys um but it was you know long-term wise for the season they tried to get the ball to terry eight targets only caught four balls but they are really using him as that deep ball guy kind of like he was used in college um and curtis samuel and jahan dotson are feasting right now across the middle of the field on the short and intermediate stuff so i don't know i think we're still trying to figure out who terry is and up against darius slay uh yeah, no, not 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 the best time for an experiment. So I'm with you. I'm fading. Is there a? I'm trying to think of some guys maybe that we would consider starting them over. Hollywood. Hollywood. Okay, I like that. What nice. if? Uh, what about a Jacoby Myers who just had himself a pretty uh, fantastic week? I'll read Let's off the Pats even play. Who do they play? They, they got play. Baltimore at home. Baltimore. Jacoby Myers is coming off a 13-target, 9-catch, 95-yard game. 13 targets. He even cut that in half, and I think he has a better week. So I, I'd probably start Myers over him. I'm going to eat my words when the <laughs> Wentz revenge game comes around and he throws for 500 yards and Terry's got like three touchdowns. But I got a question, though, for the pod before we wrap it up here. Um, to answer your question, I'd probably start Myers. But would you guys rather have Dynasty, Half Point, PPR, 12 teams, whatever you want to call it, Rashad Bateman or Terry McLaurin? Right, Terry. Yeah, I'd still rather have – I'd still rather have Terry. You guys think, aren't sold on Bateman. I'm not sold on Bateman. Like, talk about the deep ball. Like, Bateman's caught a couple – you know, he caught a catch-and-run touchdown – Sure, that's part of his game. Sure, he's fast enough to run away from guys, but I don't know. I'm just still not all the way bought in on, and I just don't know. I don't think we have any clue who Rashad Bateman really is at this point, and I think we know who Terry is. I think we're still kind of figuring out how he meshes with Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and uh, Carson Wentz, but I think Terry's been an alpha before. He's demanded a large target share before. Rashad Bateman hasn't really done that i mean week one he had two catches on two targets am i right on that uh, i can check real quick it has i mean he had, the touchdowns have helped him for sure um i just didn't know if you guys like considered so he had hmm. five targets two catches week one seven targets four catches week two yeah um, 11.8 I mean, yards per target then 15.43 yards per target he's being yeah. used as a deep ball and right now that's hitting you could kind of say the same thing for Terry, but then I go back to 
which one's demanded a healthy target share before and it's Terry. Yeah. I, I go back and forth with that as well. Um, just because Terry's done it year in and year out. The only thing that like I like about Bateman is just, he's five years younger. So I don't know. I, I really do go back. He was a better prospect too, actually. Bateman. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was a first round draft capital. Um, I don't know if he just can't play with Lamar, whatever it is, but I do think he's talented. I don't know. I, I really go back and forth. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. All right. That's going to wrap up our show for this week. wanted to extend an invite to everybody. Do yourself a favor this Sunday, sit back, relax, eat a pizza. Don't think about the Cowboys. Enjoy football while it's here. You're going to blink your eyes and it's going to be week 11 or 12. And you're going to say, Oh my God, the season's almost over. So enjoy this weekend of football. Enjoy the slate, even if you don't love the slate this week. I'm not in, th- I'm not in love with the slate, but just know that there are going to be teams with opposing colors on the field trying to kill each other, and that is beautiful. Yeah, just real quick. Um, the great thing is it's a dynasty podcast. We get to talk about football all year, so it's like, yes, we, we love when football's on, but, you know, a lot of fun happens in the off season. So enjoy it while you have it, but also know dynasty football. It's what makes the world go round. Let me cut in here because this goes right along with what we're talking about. Dynasty fantasy football. We can talk about it all year round guys that are irrelevant and redraft are still relevant to us. But if you don't like the slate of games, your dynasty teams rebuilding, you need something else. We got a live stream sports betting special on Saturday. We're going to rip it probably around um, 12 o'clock Eastern time, somewhere 12, 1230 Eastern time. That's what we've done the past two weeks. We're going to be there. We're going to give you our mortal locks of the week. We're all going to pick a spread pick of the week, and then we're going to pick a total points over under. Um, And we're going to have a good time. We've been really enjoying that. Been, uh, you know, it's the first two weeks. We're still figuring things out, but I think, uh, I think we got some winners this week. So we will uh, see you guys on Twitter at 12, 1230 Eastern time. And let's see if Max can hit like his 2000th spread call in a row. So we, we will see. The streak extends to 16. So pretty pretty 16 good. and two insane, pretty insane. But really quick before we log off, wanted to have the Brownies fans Thursday night preview Brownies are favored by four and a half points over under on points bet is the lowest I've seen at 38 flat. What are we thinking? We're getting a stinker. Really quick, two seconds. <laughs> I want I want a two-second take. Give me your spread. Give me your over-under. It's not going to count against our records. I'll take the over, um, and I'll take Steelers plus four and a half. Super Thank producer. You. Oh, yeah, Browns fan first. Yeah, I will take uh, over as well. You know what? I'm going to say under and then Browns minus four and a half. You're taking the under. Taking the under. <laughs> Let's get it. I don't, I don't know it. about Dude, I'm so terrible at over-unders. I mean, just pick you one. And let's going, see. Bro. 17. It's going to be 17-10 Brownies. I, uh, mm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the, what is, what'd you say the spread was? Five and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Favoring the Browns. Favoring the Brownies. Is this at in home. Cleveland? At oh. home. All right. Give On me the, the Browns. Mistake. Give me the Browns to cover up. No, uh, no TJ Watt in this one, correct? No TJ Watt. Okay. I think that's big time for the Browns run game. I think they cover and I think they score enough points to uh, 
hit the over. I also think there's definitely going to be a pick six somewhere in there. Oh, I can. It, this game reeks of pick six. hundred percent. Fumble six, muff six. Some kind of six on the defensive side. All right. want to thank everybody for making it to the end of the podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Nick C, Jace, they do a great job over there uh, doing giveaways. We do stats. Every Sunday we uh, compile some stuff and, and send it all out for you. And that's where we're going to be doing our Twitter gambling uh, sports betting live stream. So again, would love to see you over there. Really appreciate the hard work that Nixie and Jace put into that. Leave us a like on Apple pod, Spotify, five-star reviews, whatever you got to do. Tell your grandma about the show, tell her at dinner. I'm sure it'll make her happy. All right. Peace out everyone. Peace. Peace out grandma. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell my fellow kings and queens.